Good evening. In tonight's podcast, I'm talking with Andy. Andy lost her dad last April. She was unable to see him or have a proper funeral. She discusses how this has had a huge impact on her grieving process and describes how she feels angry and has been unable to mourn properly. The process for Andy is still very much ongoing and this episode gives an insightful look into losing a loved one during lockdown. Hi Andy, thank you for joining me tonight. Um, We're going to be covering the topic of grief. Um, I'm aware that you uh, sadly lost your dad um, last April Um, and I think it would be really uh, insightful for our listeners to know what it's like to deal with grief Um, and also when you knew the time was coming uh, how you kind of coped with those feelings so what what I first would like to know Andy is the situation behind uh, your your dad passing away Um, and perhaps you could give us some background as to what happened um, and those initial kind of thoughts and feelings as uh, as you had to uh, attend the hospital. Uh, well, we didn't get to go to hospital actually. Okay. So, um, my dad was taken into hospital um, the towards the end of March, just before the big lockdown. Mm. Um, we suspected COVID, mm-hmm. and that was then confirmed. And by the time he got there, he was quite dehydrated. Mm. His blood pressure was low. Um, he wasn't very well. Um, so he was there a few days and then the decision was made to put him in an induced coma okay. in intensive care. Um, and that was sort of at that time, that was that was that was how COVID patients were dealt with when they were severely unwell. So um hmm. so yes, when so he, was... he was in um he was in an induced coma for two weeks. Hmm. So he's put into an induced coma for two weeks. And of course, with the pandemic situation, you weren't even able to uh, attend the hospital. When you realised that you wouldn't be able to uh, effectively be by his side and they gave you the news of him going into a induced coma, how, how did you feel? What, what went through your mind at that time? Um, I don't know. I think we were all quite fearful, I think, more than anything. And not just because he was there. And I thought, actually, I was quite grateful because he got a bed. And at the time, um, there was a fear that they were going to run out of beds Mm. in intensive care. So the fact that he got the last bed in the intensive care unit was almost a bit of a relief. Um, Frustration that it was quite hard because everyone was starting to get fearful. Mm. It was building up to the full lockdown, wasn't it? So everybody was scared. And so I didn't go and see my mum because they were all isolating mm. after he'd had it been confirmed. So I couldn't see my mum or my brothers and they were all ill at the same time. Um, it, it was just very surreal. I would say that's probably the, the, the overall feeling at the time is surreal because you don't, you can't do the things that you would normally do. You mm. can't just pop down and see them that they're okay. Yeah. Um, I was lucky. I did speak to my dad before he went into a coma. Okay. Um, so I had that. What did you say? So, just told him I loved him. Mm. 
because um, he was scared. And that was quite hard to hear. Mm. That must have been really tough. Um, did you did you have an idea that this was the way it was going to go or was it something that was a kind of a bolt from the blue? Not really, no. Just We didn't know anything. I think that's that's... I think that was the strange thing. And I'm trying to think back to that time because obviously we know so much more now. At that time, it was the fear. It was fear. It was just constant fear, wasn't it? Everyone was starting to get, you know, you all away from people and hide away. And Mm. those of our loved ones who we know are vulnerable, everyone was stopping seeing them. Um, It was just, it was just, yeah, a very fearful time. And I don't, you know, not just my family, um, but but everyone, I think. Mm. And did you um, did you have the support of your close family whilst you're going through this? Yes, yeah, um, at home here, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, and I picked I picked my daughter up from university the week before. Actually, I didn't want her up there anymore, so I brought her home. So she was here. We were all here together. Mm. Um, but it, yeah, it was just strange waiting every day for an update. And when when you're waiting for that update, yeah. what goes? What I can't even begin to imagine how difficult that must be when you're waiting for those updates. A loved one, you've got a loved one who goes who's gone into an induced coma, and you're waiting for an update. What is that? How does that feel when you're waiting for those updates on a day-to-day basis? I, do you know, I don't know. I think it was more my mum. It was for my mum. My mum had that. She was just, her, her, her whole existence at that time was waiting on those daily phone calls. Mm. Mm. I had, you know, I was working from home. We were just about to work from home. So we, I was working. I had a distraction, but she didn't. Mm. So and everyone, of course, we were ringing her. What's happening? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it. It was just a very strange time. Yeah, and I, I guess you've got that added stress. And as the well. fact that we could go in there. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got the added stress yeah. of not being able just to know, yeah. go in there. Yeah. Incredibly difficult because you've got that. And yeah. Just you ca- yeah. You can't go in there, and also, you're not just losing a loved one which in itself is a, you know her, must be a horrendous feeling but also you're, th- you're thinking about your mum as well so you've got you've got those added those added stresses and feelings as it goes uh, as it goes on because I assume you know how did you how did you cope with your having to also be there for your mother how, how did you cope with that well, I ran her every day, but it's not the normally I go down there. But of course, she was isolating, and and in and in all honesty, I didn't want to go there because I knew that they all had COVID, and I didn't. I wanted to protect my family. Mm. Which you know, yeah, that was that was the overriding thing, although. I wanted to be there for my mum as well, but you can't be. You couldn't. It, you just couldn't do it at that time. 
Mm. wouldn't deliberately go to someone's house who's had COVID. No. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, no. Okay, so going so on... Just, yeah. It was just a very strange time. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I can't even really begin to imagine. But, you know, moving on to a really uh, thought-provoking part of it, when the, the news was given that your uh, dad had passed away, what was your initial reaction? Do you know, I don't even remember. That sounds awful, but... I I probably don't remember um, because they sort of give you a heads up. Mm. <laughs> that that sounds weird. That you know they say they give they rang my mum and sort of said mm. it's he he's not improving mm. basically, um, and then we'll give you an update. But in the meantime, he actually died right. without any of us there. I found that very difficult, not having anyone with him. And when you say you found We're that... We're a big family. Yeah. I, yeah, must be horrendous. When you say you found that quite difficult, explain a bit what you mean by that. Was it... How did you... He's a dad, he's a husband, he's a grandfather. He, You know, he's an uncle and nobody was there. No one who was his. He, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. If you have a decent life and you're surrounded by the people who love you at the end, mm. surely that's what we all deserve. Mm. And I feel cheated of that. Mm. So would you say that a fairly big part of your grief process is the fact that you weren't able to be by his side um, at the end? Yeah, we've not said goodbye. We've not been able to. So I don't feel like we've had the grief process at all. Mm. Yeah. And I think a lot of people whose family members died at that time feel the same. Yeah. You, f you feel cheated. There's the mourning process and you, we haven't had it. So how do you, how do you manage with that? How do you cope with that fact that you feel cheated? You don't, you put it in a box. Okay. <laughs> well, that's what I do. And does that box ever... Yeah, I can't open that box. That box never gets opened? Not very often. Not very often, no. So would it be fair to say Is that... Is it on? No. Yeah, my, my my sister lives in Ireland and all of her family. Yeah, one of my brothers was shielding. There's not, there's not that, you know, when someone in your family dies, particularly with a big family, you have to have that mourning process and that's everybody together. That's the hugging, it's being with each other, it's crying together, it's, it's all of that. Mm. It's just all being together and that, that, that's just not happened. Mm. So, would it? Do you think it would have been easier to grieve um, or mourn 
if the situation had been different and you were able to be there? I think you're able to process it. You go through that process. You have your, you know, you all sit around and you drink your tea or you whatever, and you're, but you're all together and you then you cry and then you mm. make the jokes and then you remember something funny and you remember something sad. And that's, that's, that's all part of it. Mm. And when you don't have that, I don't think you get to express those feelings very easily. We were cushioned, you all, everyone was cocooned in little little cocoons in their own little environments with their households. You didn't have, yeah, we didn't have that. We did a few Zoom things, but it's not the same. So what I'm hearing is the overwhelming feeling is of being cheated, basically. The overwhelming feeling is that you feel that you haven't been able to go through uh, a grieving process properly because you weren't able to be there and that's one of the real uh, real negative impacts of the pandemic particularly on the grief process I think so you say you've put it away in a box and just to clarify that's something that is in that box and is it something that you just haven't opened or you open it only very rarely um, I don't generally, you know, my mum's mourning and she hasn't had, she can't, she hasn't had her family around her to, you know, to grieve with her properly. Um, so I think until we can all get together, maybe when we can all actually have that process, if you like. I think that will be maybe I don't know I don't know because time time moves on doesn't it and things change all the time so yeah does that mean then that you have have you have you spoken about how you feel to your close ones so to your mother to your partner to any other of your close family relatives or have you been keeping your feelings very much to yourself um yeah pretty much oh, yeah no they know they know it's just it's yeah we just we don't we don't open that box why Because it's exhausting mm. and frustrating. And I think with everything else, we're grieving. And let's be honest, we are. We're grieving being away from family, being away from friends, not being able to go where we choose. That's all loss. You know, it just that though, though that loss of freedom. You know, I think we're all grieving that as well. I think you can only do one thing at a time. You just can't let it all out, otherwise, you just won't get up in the morning mm. and carry on, which we've all got to do. So, for you, 
at this moment in time, it's easier to emotionally to keep it in that box with everything else that's going on. Absolutely. So, absolutely. What do you think would happen, Andy, if you opened that box right now? What do you think would happen? Oh, I don't know. I think I'd be a crying mess. Okay. <laughs> Which is nothing wrong with that, but you know, you know, when you just got sometimes you just got to keep keep going, haven't you? And you can't just hold up in a corner and have a good old cry. It's uh, why not? I have done a few times, but because there's just too much else to do, and the pressure of being a, a work colleague, a person your mum calls to talk to when she's upset mm. you know um my youngest is doing gcse she's got enough stress and strain and worry about that you know it's uh some, you just can't you have to keep going and as i say i think we're all grieving something at the moment it's not just about someone dying you know we had, well, we've had a particularly hard year. We had quite a few losses, actually. Mm. Last year, it isn't just my dad. So there's a lot of grief that needs to be shared. And the comfort of being with other people grieving, that is, it's important. So... That's, that's, we- that's been taken away yeah so would you be so once we're in a position where we're back to a level of normality would you be more willing to open that box well i think uh, as a family have said we are going to have a a celebration of life i don't know if that's the right way of doing it but we are going to do something together yeah and, and hopefully that will give us the opportunity to have that process. Mm. And it is a process, isn't it? It's, you know, mourning doesn't stop just when someone dies, does it? It carries on for a long time. Absolutely. So really for you, the grieving process hasn't truly begun yet. You've had the terrible news of losing a, a loved one. But actually, for about coming up to a year now, what I'm hearing from you is that you've popped it in a box um, for it to be for your feelings and the grieving process to be explored at another time when things are perhaps easier for all of you as a family. Yes, I think so. These are extraordinary times. <laughs> you can't you can't just stop. I don't think. I think if you stop and let things overtake you, it'll, it it can be quite scary. Okay, so is part of the perhaps part of the grieving process is that in order to open that box, you need to be able to confront the fears that come with it. Because what I'm hearing from you is that it it could be quite scary to open that box perhaps scarier because of the situation um, and the stresses mm. that we're under, but regardless, probably quite scary just generally 
open up all those feelings and emotions of losing a loved one. Would you say that that, that scares you in a way? Yeah, because I'm angry as well. Okay. And what are you angry about? The fact that it's, it's nobody's fault. It's just, you know, just anger that it is what it is, you know. And you haven't, I think, I've heard, I've seen it quite a bit actually. There's a lot of people who are in the position that we're in where, so only five people from the same household were allowed to attend the funeral. Yeah. You know, I watched my dad's funeral on a, on a laptop. It, it's it's not it's not how we mourn. It's not. It's just no. you know you need those you know you need those tears and you need someone holding your hand and someone giving you a hug and 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 yeah, I'm angry that we haven't had that. Mm, that's totally understandable. I'm angry. Yeah, I'm angry. My mum didn't have that yeah. we didn't have that celebration of his life absolutely i think anger in that situation is extremely understandable i think anger in any situation when it comes to grieving is understandable but particularly when you're not able to like you say mourn as as most of us would want to if we lost a loved one so that anger is even going to be even more prominent um so i think that's a really i think that's really insightful to anyone who's listening that actually anger is a big part of the process just normally anyway but also in a situation where uh you aren't able to mourn properly um and i think you know there'll be lots of people who've lost a loved one during pandemic and anger will be a big part of those emotions and one of the other emotions you you talked about and you kind of, we went into a little bit of detail about it, but I just want to talk about it a bit more, is the the fear side of things. So it sounds to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm not uh, getting this right, but I think you are quite scared of what might happen if you open that box. I think that's a big part of the grieving process as well, is that if if we open that box, what's going to come out? Would that be fair to say? Oh, yeah. I just, uh, yeah, of course it is. You don't know. You don't know how you're going to actually behave, do you? Mm. You don't really know. None of us really know how how grief will take you mm-hmm. and how it hits and mm-hmm. how it affects you and it affects your behaviour or it affects your, the way you get up in the morning. I don't think any of us can can know that until you're in it. Definitely. Just, yeah, just have to put one foot in front of the other and carry on. (laughs) Which I know is against what everybody else says at the moment about mental health and all of that. But at the moment, we have to just do that a little bit. I don't think we can... I think we do have to just get on with it a little bit and, and, you know, get up and make, you know, plan dinners again for the 600 millionth time in lockdown. You know, it's 
that monotony, you know, you got you have to. There are other people relying on me as well. You can't. Yeah. So people are relying on you, Andy. But is anyone uh, is anyone giving you the support that you need? Well, my friends. Okay. I'm going for a walk, but it's, yeah, I haven't had my usual outlets. Put it that way. <laughs> okay. In what way? I what for for when you when you're upset and things. Well, you know, you normally we have a girls' night out. You, all those sort of things get you through bad times, don't they? And you you know you get together and have a laugh and a dance and a get it all out your system. And you know we've got none of that at the moment. Hmm. It's. Uh, it, you can't just pop around the corner to your mates or you can't just pop down the road and see your family. And that, those are the cushions, those are the support networks that we rely on. Mm. And this year, those have been broken down a lot. Definitely. And I, I've missed those. I've missed that. I've missed being able to just go where I choose be with who I want to be with mm. a lot. Yeah, I can, un- I can, I can definitely understand that, uh, and that makes the process harder as well. Is um, if you were to open up to your friends or family, well, firstly, let me ask you this: since since your dad passing away. Have you let out any of your emotions? Have you cried? Oh, God, yeah, of course. Yeah? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm not... Um, yeah, no, I've definitely. Definitely done that. Mm. Um, I think after I was ill, I cried for two hours because it was raining. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it has happened, but you know, it's just the the it's the process that has been abandoned, and you've had to stop that. Mm. There is a way that we mourn. That's why people have funerals. Yeah. You know, that's why everybody gathers together and cries together, and it's it's that's that's part of us of humans mourning. We all do it yeah. in every culture. Mm-hmm. And that's been denied, and that's why I'm angry. Yeah, absolutely. And it's nobody's fault. I I appreciate that, but it's just uh, it makes everything more difficult. Mm. And how has this anger manifested itself in your everyday life? Mm. No, really. Have you Netflix? <laughs> 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 binge watch a Netflix show. Yeah. You don't have to think then, do you? <laughs> what well, I suppose what I mean, just to because anger is can be quite a um for many it can be quite a difficult emotion to let out. For some it's not, but for many, I mean I find anger quite a difficult emotion to deal with. 
So I'm trying to just understand when you say you feel angry, is it something that you've also put in that box to let out at another day? Or do you, on a day to day basis, when that anger must manifest itself, do you let it out or do you just keep it bottled up? Neither. I'm angry about the situation, not about anything specific. You know, like I know I'm angry that that has, I've been denied that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> But it's not directed at anybody. Mm. There's no one to direct that anger at, really. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I don't think so. I don't think. I, you know. I don't think I've got that anger building in me to explode or anything. Okay. I know it's there. I know I'm angry about the situation, and I. It, it makes me cross when I hear things sometimes, but. Not, not enough to, there's not going to be some explosion of anger, okay. I don't think. Okay. I think. I don't, I don't know, I don't think. I've been out for walks and I've power walked and, you mm. know. So, yeah. So, I've sat and had a few beers. Mm. So there might not be a massive build-up of anger, like you say, but it sounds like... No, not at all. No, but also it sounds like you're able to put in place whether you see it this way or not, it's quite clear that you're able to put in place little coping mechanisms that pay, perhaps manage that anger. So, for example, we joke and we laugh, but watching a Netflix binge series or, or going for a long walk, it's those types of things, actually, that can help you uh, manage your emotions, whether they be anger or, or whatever whatever they are. Um so we, we've talked about two big emotions as part of the process, and one of them is uh, fear and anger. What other emotions did you feel at the time, but also afterwards? What other kind of emotions have you been having to uh, cope with and deal with? Mm, don't know, really. Sadness? I haven't really. Well, yeah, I think that that's just given, isn't it? You can be sad. Yeah. I cry quite easily at silly things on TV. Okay. Usually happy things, actually. Okay, that's interesting. If someone's nice, oh gosh, if someone's kind or nice to someone, that that makes me very tearful. If someone sends me a re- when people used to send me nice messages, mm. you, that that really um i get quite teary um, what do you think that is but i always have done to be honest okay i don't know i just i just think sometimes when people just acknowledge that mm. there's something going on with someone else i think it's just quite thoughtful mm. um my friends kept dropping me stuff around at the beginning they dropped me flowers on the doorstep or you know things like that so that did make me cry obviously mm. um yeah, kindness. Actually, when I see happy stories or sweet stories, they I do get quite teary over those. Mm. Those people showing yeah. that they care, acts of kindness. I can, I can fully understand that. Absolutely. Yeah, acts of kindness. Yeah, and you you just and also uh, just 
yeah, just little things, I suppose. So I, I, I suppose I'm grieving in a way, but I have always been quite easily moved to tears for kindness. Mm. <laughs> that is something I do. If someone's very sweet or does something really nice, it just I go off, get very cheery. Um, <laughs> have you? Do you find yeah. it? I used to be called Renter Howler. <laughs> so... Renter Howler. Okay. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, my friends used to go because I can cry at Coronation Street. Right, so perhaps okay. they, I have been grieving very different times throughout. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Do you are you do you find it easy <laughs> to open up about your emotions? Do you find that something that's uh, comes easy to you, or do you, do you find that a difficult process generally? Uh, depends who you're talking to, doesn't it? Okay. You always know people who are more receptive to to heartfelt conversations than others. Mm. Um, but I I think I generally wear my heart on my sleeve, so. Okay. Yeah. So, not overly scared to do it or no. uncomfortable. Okay. So that that grieving process when it when you finally uh unopen that uh open that box um should be something that you would be able to discuss your thoughts, your feelings around uh your dad to the ones that you love. Is that something that scares you, or do you think that you'll that process is something that you're open to once things are uh, a better stage, shall we say? In all honesty, I just don't know. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I honestly don't know. So it'll be a wait and see, really. I think a little bit, a little bit. It's. Uh... Yeah, just don't know. When will we all be able to get together? Uh, who knows? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I think <laughs> I I found this conversation really quite interesting because I would say from what we spoke about is that, yeah, you, you probably do wear your heart on your sleeve. and But there's also some emotions that are clearly still yet to come out. That is abundantly clear and I think that will happen when we get back to a level of normality and uh, I hope it does for me your this grieving process is still ongoing for you um, and I think there will uh, come a point where you will be able to go through the process a lot better once we're back to uh, a level of normality and it's really opened my eyes to the different feelings that you go through once when you're grieving for a, uh, a loved one, particularly in this pandemic situation. The anger thing is the one that really resonates with me because I can fully, fully appreciate and understand how that would make anyone angry. So what I would say to you, Andy, is. Is there anything, anything you would pass on to anybody who's going through a similar situation to you? What have you found during this last year to be most helpful to you in this ongoing process that will be ongoing for quite a lot of time? What, has, what have you found has really helped you to cope as well as possible? 
I think I've been fortunate that I've been able to work. Mm-hmm. So you're busy, and that help that helps me. Uh, if you're busy, you know, um, I'm lucky. I've got good friends. We meet up and walk. Mm-hmm. So been able to get out, and then we have a, a stomp and a moan, and yeah. well, that's quite good. <laughs> Um, in the summer, in the summer, we were, when we were allowed to gather a bit more, um, you know, we had a few uh, gatherings. <laughs> so, would you say um, keeping in contact with friends is a key part to uh, a, a, um, a good good mental well being? Definitely. Mm. Yeah, um, I, I'm a very well, as you know, I'm. I'm a very sociable being, and mm-hmm. so this 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 not being able to socialise has been quite difficult. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's your support network. Absolutely, and I'm sure everybody's feeling it at different levels. You know, it must be whether your with your group of friends are small or large. You know, we've we've lost that that intimate relationships that we have with our nearest and dearest. You know, you sit and have a hug you feel sad or you know someone's going to walk in and give you a cuddle mm. and and that's sometimes that's what you need mm. yeah that physical contact as well as that uh um emotional contact i can understand that is one one kind of final question that i'm intrigued by when you well, first of all, do you sometimes find yourself reminiscing about um, your relationship with your dad? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, funny that we've sorted, we've been sorting out photos and things, um, and and actually, my mum's moved, so she packed a lot of stuff, mm. um, and she had uh, uh, my wedding album. So mm. there's quite a few pictures of my dad in there. And then um, my dad could only make one cup of tea at a time. Okay. So, so if anyone walks in with one cup of tea, okay, you, you, you know, <laughs> it, it, is that what you think? Honestly, it used to take, if there was five of you in a room, it would take him nearly an hour to make you all tea. It was like one at a time. It was a very slow process. Um, yeah, things like that. Those unique little quirks. And, uh yeah, and anything that's taken apart and then put together again, um, there would always be spare parts. Right, yeah. But they weren't required. <laughs> and lots of things like that. <laughs> oh, and uh, oh, actually, I don't know if I told you, I, I got a bus blind for Christmas. There you go, that made me cry. Um, so okay. I really wanted a... It's the front of a red bus... It's a number 32 bus, used to go up Edgware Road in London. And my dad used to drive the 32 bus. Oh, right. It wow. was the, so, and it was also the bus that I used to get to my now husband. Um, and I've got one, a copy of, I've got that hanging in my, oh, amazing. my kitchen. So you clearly have some awesome memories of your, your dad and you've been able to, reminisce about those so 
The one thing I'm really intrigued about when you have all these memories, whether they be happy or sad memories, is when you find yourself having these memories and perhaps you're getting slightly emotionally overwhelmed, which is perfectly normal and natural, who who do you rely on? Or is it still an ongoing process where you put it back into a bottle? Or do you offload onto anybody? For example, do you give your friend a call? Or do you go and have a chat with your husband? Or do you just keep it internal? Um... No, normally on my own. Okay. Yeah, sometimes I just go off and might be a bit sad somewhere. Okay, so you like to keep it? For a little while. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. And that's your way of uh, dealing with things? Yeah, sometimes I just, yeah, it's quite nice to just be, hide away for a little while. Mm. I'm sure you're not alone in that respect at all. Would you feel comfortable talking to... No, I don't think any of us are alone. Say that again, sorry, I missed that. Sorry? I missed that, sorry. I missed, I know I missed what you said, so... I was going to say. I missed what you said. Okay. Um, I was just saying. Do you? Would you feel uh, comfortable talking to your friends or family about about any any about any of the way you're feeling at all? Um. Yes, probably. I think just at the moment, I just it just feels like everybody's got stuff going on mm. everybody's got their own emotions that they're having to cope with so you don't want to offload on everyone else you know everybody's dealing with what they're dealing with you know we're not used to being 24 7 with all members of our family mm. you know our children are stuck indoors or have been up until this week but you know it, it, everybody's got their own stuff going on yeah So, you know, you, you can't just, yeah. Just, was it keep calm and carry on? <laughs> is, that, is that the phrase? <laughs> it, it is the, one of the phrases, uh, not something I'm particularly uh, keen definitely... on. But... I know, but we are, it's not normal times, that's the thing. Mm. You know, nobody, nobody is in, in their normal mental health. Mm. You know, nobody's in their normal way of being. Mm. So, yeah, so I'm afraid, I think it is a little bit of that keep calm and carry on mentality at the moment. Yeah, I don't think you're alone in taking that approach. The one thing I would say, and I'm not here to give advice because who's to say any advice I would give would be necessarily the right advice, but I would make an assumption, and you might correct me if my assumption's wrong, but if you were to offload at any time that you're struggling to your friends or family, from the 
from what we've spoken about in the terms of you miss going out with your friends and stuff, uh, I'm going to assume that your friends would be very supportive, regardless of what may be going on in their life. They would be very supportive of anything that you have to uh, say. Now, I might be wrong about that because I don't know your, your friends and that, but generally I think friends are supportive of uh, people's feelings at any given time and often that's regardless of what's going on in their own personal life. So I just think that for yourself, Andy, the grieving process is still ongoing and I, I really think that once we get back once we get back to a level of normality you're going to be able to mourn and grieve properly um and if it's if you're agreeable to this i think this could be really really probably good for you but also insightful for any of the listeners is that would you be willing to come back on one of the episodes in perhaps say six to 12 months time and see where you're at once we're back to a normal uh, social setting because it would be really interesting to see how the grieving process has moved on out uh, post lockdown because the grieving process pre-lockdown and during lockdown sounds like it's going to be very different to post lockdown so would you be agreeable to that Andy? Yes, yeah. That would be really good. And I think it'd be hugely insightful as well because uh, what I've learned from today speaking to you is that the mourning process is incredibly difficult in a situation that we find ourselves in, which is not a huge surprise, but but I, I think it has a massive impact on all the sorts of feelings and emotions. Would, would, you, would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And my children haven't mourned properly. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, they, they, they haven't been to see... They haven't been able to be with their nan and, you know, all, all those sort of things. Mm. It's um, it's just, as I say, it just feels like a very strange time that we're all living through and... Mm. Everybody, everybody's in the same boat, regardless of what their circumstances are. And, you know, everybody's, there's something. Everybody's missing something. Mm. And it has a huge impact, clearly. Um, and that's really made that clear tonight. Thank you very much, Andy, for sharing your uh, grieving process during this lockdown period, which is obviously going to still be ongoing. And I'm really looking forward to you coming back on in... Uh, the next six to 12 months to see how things have moved forward or if they have, um, which I really am positive that they, they will have done. Um, so thank you very much. Before we leave that uh, tonight, is there anything you just want to end on at all? Any message you would give to anyone listening tonight? I think everybody that, you know, nobody's alone really. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not alone and we're all I think everybody's grieving something mm. at the moment so yeah I think that's that's we're not necessarily someone dying but you're grieving something whether mm. it's 
a loss of a job, the loss breakdown of a relationship. Everybody is having something going on. Mm. You know, my my daughter's her loss of exams. Mm. You know, they all those things. Mm. You know, a lot of the kids loss of prom. You know, and mm. it, it it sounds like they're sort of frivolous things, but they're all rites of passage, and they are. It's a loss, so you, you grieve anything like that. Yeah, there's a lot of loss to some extent. Yeah, absolutely, a lot of loss that's gone on through. So the I pandemic. think a lot of people are grieving over all sorts of things, mm. um, and I and and I really don't think anyone's been able to do it properly. I think that's a really, really good point. I think a lot of people are going through various different losses um, and those emotions are going to be far more heightened during this situation. And I think one of the messages that you kind of touched on is, yeah, it is good to talk. Um, and I would urge anybody who is going through any type of loss, whether it be a loved one or a job or whatever it may be, is to, is to open up um, and talk about it if you certainly if you feel able to so thank you very much andy for coming on tonight really appreciate it i found that really insightful um and i hope to see you back on in uh, the future thank you very much thank you